1: Is your child asking questions on their homework that you don't feel equipped to answer? Is your child just struggling with a specific subject or need help with their homework? If you're dealing with any of these issues, you could maybe benefit from IXL. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced applications, Algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it's so cost effective. A single hour of tutoring costs more than a month of IXL. I could have totally used IXL when I was in grade school. I was always having trouble with my homework. Ugh, I wish I had this when I was a kid. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now and how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price IXL.com/fine Hey, Buy the
0: Book listeners, Kristen here and Jolenta. Hey. Some of you may have already heard that Panoply is going to be folding its content arm. Now, what does this mean for Buy the Book? In the short term, you'll still be getting bonus episodes every other week. And as for season four, we're doing everything we can right now to make sure it will still get out to you starting in late November. But we don't quite know how we're going to get it out to you yet. Once we do know, though, we have come up with a way to let you know. Jalenta, explain.
1: So to stay in the loop, we have made a little form for you to fill out where you just give us your email address. And that way, when we know when and where you can find the next season of Buy the Book, you will be the first people we tell. You can find this form and fill it out on our Facebook page, on our Facebook community page. On our Twitter, at ByTheBookPod, we'll pin it so you can find that tweet link right on top. You can find it at my website, Jolentagreenberg.com, and you can find it at Kristen's website, KristenMinzer.com. Go there, fill out the form. We will email you right away the second we know where we're going next. And now, on to today's bonus episode. The following podcast contains explicit language.
0: Dearest Jolenta. It has been two
1: weeks since our
0: last correspondence. What are you doing? I am penning you a letter. I know. Because you told me to ask you anything. Yeah,
1: but no, it's for our listeners to ask us anything, not for you to write me an old-timey letter. Did you like that accent? I like how you are penning it, but (laughs) typing loudly to demonstrate that you are writing. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't quite track. No, we wanted listeners to ask us questions because it's time for another bonus episode. And this time we're doing ask us even more of anything. Let's get to it. That's right. It is time for another Buy the Book bonus episode, our between-season treat for your ears. And this week, it is all about listener questions. We're going to answer all of them.
0: All of them. As many as we can get through. Yeah. All day no long. No question. Too
1: big, too small, too silly, too serious. We're going to talk about them because you can ask us even more of anything.
0: Yeah, and for new listeners who want to know the basics, how we met, how we started the show, how we make the show, and so on, please check out our prior Ask Us Anything episodes. The answers are all mm-hmm. there. We frequently get all those questions. Yes, those things. Yes, all of that. Yeah. So those are all in those prior bonus episodes. And uh, let's get started with today's episode.
1: Yes. First question is from Emma, who says. After three seasons, what is your most listened to and least listened to episode?
0: Ooh. Most listened to is really hard because we have some that changes. are kind of, you know, it changes from week to week. And some of them are just, you know, surprised us and have so many listens. Mm-hmm. But it's very easy to answer the least listened to episode.
1: Which uh, what is you I don't have access to the metrics because of the computer system. Yeah. So well, what is it? I'm
0: gonna tell you, you want me to our guess?
1: three lowest actually, oh Okay.
0: Our three lowest and they're all from season one. And Aww. I think part of it's because people discover the show
1: and they don't necessarily go and listen to the whole back yeah. catalog. I'm a backlog listener when I find a new podcast, but I realize I might be in the minority. I think you might be yeah. there are a lot I of people who get don't listen to very obsessive catalog. About listening to every single one. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. And our listeners have increased more than tenfold since season one. So, you know, our first season has the three episodes with Elise listens. And one of those is Class with the Countess. That is
1: a disappointment. Because that is a fucking good one. We worked really hard. I don't know if it worked. We broke format, but... Yeah, I think it was a breaking format,
0: and I think a lot of people got. And I think people also just don't
1: give a shit about like a manners book, maybe. I think a lot of people base it on the book we actually are living by, where I just listen to everything all the time.
0: Yeah, and that one was um, Countess Luann from the Real Housewives Mm -hmm. franchise. And not every. Some people love The Real Housewives, some people don't. Jolenta, you love The Real Housewives. So, yes. Mm -hmm. That one is a shame. So, that one was very divisive. Um, The one of the other three least listened to episodes is Past Lives Future Healing by Sylvia Brown. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, we just got a tweet from someone today who said they were sobbing at their desk listening
1: to it. I mean, you go really deep in that one, which I think people wouldn't expect. Yeah, because it seems like just a silly throwaway Like a woo-woo, book. like, we picked this to be gimmicky. But uh, if we get to some, at least Kristen gets us some like, very deep shit in it. It yeah. made me cry, I think, listening to her audio diaries. Oh, yeah,
0: you were crying in the studio. Oh, and then yeah. we had to stop for a little bit and then mm-hmm. come back to the studio. And yeah, so... Um, That one may just seem like a silly book, but it actually went to a place that made a lot of listeners feel deep things. And by a lot of listeners, I mean, one of the three least listened to episodes. sort of listeners.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then the final one, and this just breaks my heart Uh as far as our top three least listened to episodes. How to write an ebook in less than seven <gasps> no. to fourteen days that will make you money
1: forever. That's one of my favorite ones we lived by, so that's why I'm saying no. I don't know if it's a good listen. I hope it is. I think I it's think one it of our
0: funniest it's episodes fun we one. ever made. And both of us published novels afterwards. Or mm-hmm. actually you published a reference book, I should say. Uh, yes, please. Yes, an important reference book.
1: Maybe more of a reference like pamphlet, but <laughs> but still, you know.
0: When I think of that episode, I'm just, I'm so proud of everything we accomplished in that one. No,
1: that was a, I love that. I love living by that one.
0: All right. Let's move on to this next question from somebody with an awesome name. Her Mm -hmm. name is Kristen. (laughs) Yes. What
1: book elicited the most feedback and what book elicited the least? Oh, I think least feedback would be the memory book from season one. You're right.
0: Yes. I agree with you on that one. No one cared. Yeah, there I, were didn't a few care, people, I don't think there were a few people that one actually got a lot of male listeners writing in saying that they liked it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, the men who felt that, oh, I had a concrete takeaway, I actually did this. That was
1: the hardest one to do the mini episode for, I remember. Yeah,
0: um, there were men who said, oh, you should do another book that you know, you create your memory palace and do this, which men never, love memory, they must. So, um, I also think that a lot of men who Listened to that episode, thought that the concrete, usable skill made more sense to them than what they felt was. I'm like, how to
1: feel good about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's weirdly, society like ah, but helps that along for them. <laughs> Lucky guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Book that got the most feedback, I would say it's probably tied between love languages, people being mad at Kristen about saying gifts are for monsters. <laughs> Did I should say not say the word or monster. Or I am amping it up. And then, <laughs> um, probably the nature fix got at least on the Facebook community. There were so many articles shared and tips shared, and you know, tips torn apart by other tips. Like it was <laughs> a tip a palooza. It was pretty great. Yeah. All right. Here's a question from Simone who says, how do you balance self-improvement with accepting yourself as you are?
0: Well, people may recall from the beginning of the show that I don't think I need to improve myself. I think I'm pretty fantastic the way I am. And that's why Jolenta brought me along for this ride. And which, by the way, that sounded really, really cocky. And it wasn't meant to so much as. She's
1: someone I know that has worked very hard on accepting herself. And to me, that is the goal of self-improvement. It's not to become a different person, but to be able to highlight my strengths, believe in my strengths and not focus on things that I perceive to be flaws that like maybe aren't even flaws. They're sort of like to just to rewrite the story that already exists in a way that like isn't so detrimental to my mental health. Yeah.
0: So do you feel that you do a good job balancing self-improvement and accepting
1: yourself? Yeah, because to me, self-improvement is the path to accepting myself,
0: if that makes sense. Like I'm not
1: becoming someone else. I'm not improving upon what I have. I'm just enhancing my skill set to be able to see the lovable good things or to reframe things as that I have seen as bad as like not bad.
0: Yeah. All right. We have this letter from Kara. Aside from diet books, are there any self-help books you refuse to do? Oh, yes, there are.
1: There are so many. There are Kristen so many. likes to push really crazy ones on me sometimes. <laughs> Or, like, really specific <laughs> ones. Solution. Like, the tapping solution or, like, build your own coffin where I'm like, Kristen. I really wanted to do that like coffin Like, this one. will not lead to good sound. You just like it because the title is so insane.
0: Yeah. I do like an insane title. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, where I'm like,
1: what would be a story arc for, like, tapping your hand? Like, I don't know. We're probably going like, to get a hundred letters about, like, it changed That's me my tapping life. my hand right now. If but um, that, other... <laughs> yeah, just really, really specific ones or really blatant gimmicky ones to me, are a no.
0: Yeah, but we also won't live by books written by men who do bad things to women. And there are actually a very large percentage of them that we know for a fact or that there's evidence or that they've admitted um, that they do bad things to women. Or people
1: who, like, commit crimes or run cults.
0: Yes. And in addition to diet books, um, I'm just going to add one more book to the category. A lot of our listeners, many, many, many of them have written in saying, but what about this book, which isn't technically a diet book? intuitive eating books. Mm. Almost all of the intuitive eating books that people have sent us links to in the first three sentences, it says, a great way to manage your weight. If it mentions our weight,
1: like we we're just not going to live just by it. Just anything to do with food in general, like I don't feel comfortable doing... With Kristen. Yeah. I've read Intuitive Eating. I think it's, like, an interesting read. But, like, I also think it could be super fucking triggering. Yeah. So, like, just anything to do with food, I will give a hard no to, probably more than Kristen at this point, because I'm a mama bear.
0: Yeah, I love that about you. All right, let's get to this letter from C. Dunstock. Interesting name.
1: Yeah, it's from Instagram, so you you never really know what people's names are (laughs) or how much they give of it. Uh, He or she says... Is there a subject you want to read a book about but haven't covered yet or can't find a good option for? Make your own coffin. We've just discussed this. I want something (laughs) about crystals that is a little less of a like, here's a dictionary of crystals and what they do, but I want some sort of like intro to crystal healing that has enough content that's not just about like healing you know your soreness or whatever that we could do an episode for and there's yet to be one or one about like an introduction to being a modern day witch that's like aren't you a little less hardcore like Wiccan stuff but just like so you want to dabble in mysticism you could you could write that I don't know I'm just a fan of the idea of that book well, how about you? Do you have any other than coffins? Or that's, I guess that was your answer. I guess that's
0: it. I don't actually like self help books. Yeah, right. But There's I think nothing. We've done yeah. this. We, we've gone over this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah there we go. Uh, our next question is from Cheyenne.
0: Yes. Yeah, Cheyenne says, aside from your husband's, what do your friends and family think about the
1: podcast and the fact that you broadcast your whole lives on it? I think the friends who. Don't have to be mentioned on the podcast or get mentioned in ways that they fully approve of are very fine with it. And also, I don't think anyone's surprised that I have ended up doing something like this for part of my job. Like, that's all I do is talk about myself and exploit my own weaknesses and downfalls for entertainment value, slash hopefully learning. Um, <laughs> but I know my parents, I think, have a hard time listening. They listen, but they listen kind of way after an episode's been released, and they'll have problems, or they won't have remembered it that way, or wish I would have worded it differently, and I've just sort of learned to let it like wash over me and not really say anything I feel like I'm a pretty okay judge about what to tell about them. And I try to do it in terms of how it's affecting me and not just to talk shit about them. Mm -hmm. I believe me, I could. But I try to do it in terms of how it's affecting me or a step I'm living by for a book. And I think they can trust my judgment, even if it pushes their boundaries a little. It might be good for them.
0: Mm. As for my family? Not a single family member has ever listened to a podcast I've hosted and I've been hosting for almost a decade. What?
1: Do you feel good about that or bad about that? Like, I'm I know fine some people who it. are like, I never want a family member to see me do stand up. Or there are some people who are like, I resent you every day because you've never read a book I've written.
0: I'm fine with it. A lot of my family are more Luddites than I am. I mm-hmm. didn't even have a cell phone until four or five years mm-hmm. ago. And a lot of them are even more behind the times than I am. And The word podcast is scary. What is an app? How do I do this thing called download? I mean, it's not easy for everyone to just listen to a podcast without feeling like they have to learn a bunch of things. So, um, no, it doesn't bother me at all. And I already know that my family is cheering for me to do well in life even if they don't ever listen to or watch a single thing I've ever produced or starred in.
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, I kind of feel fine. that way, too, where I'm like, I kind of... I mean, I care if I, like, hurt a friend's feelings, but I kind of don't care what my family thinks. <laughs> like, the reason I'm fucked up is because of them. If they happen to bother me while I'm living by a book, I might fucking mention it.
0: Sorry. <laughs> um, as for my friends, some of them love being on the show and are kind of sad when I'll be recording audio oh, diaries. like, cut them. Yeah, and it's happened many times. Like, yeah. my friend TJ, who I mentioned In a prior episode, I have mentioned him in a couple of prior episodes, like power posing with him Mm while tubing and so on. Um, I always record audio diaries with him, but I don't know if I've ever used any of the audio diaries. And then other friends who haven't been on for a while, like Lila, she was saying recently, like, I don't think I've been on any episodes in over three weeks. What's going on here? Oh, interesting. Yeah, she likes being on the show. (laughs) So my friends and family, kind of a mixed bag. Nice. All right. What about this letter from Beth? Beth says... Where do you usually read your self help books? Do you ever feel self conscious reading them in public? What are some of the comments or reactions of those around
1: you? Ha ha! Jokes on you, Beth, because I read them as an ebook on my computer, <laughs> so no one can see Mostly, I read them at coffee shops or at home. um and I read it. I love physical books, but ebooks waste less paper, and also. Uh, since we're doing a really academic read, I ha- take copious notes and it's just faster to type it. It's easier to search your notes. Easier when to it's copy an e-book. and paste sections. Yeah, from you the can book. copy like yeah. direct passages being like we need to make this into a step. It makes the academic reading so much easier. I have different color highlights for like this is the book's philosophy, and I have like code like uh, notes that I do like BP is book philosophy, mm-hmm. and like AB is author bio, and like TD is like the to do part, like for steps. Mm-hmm. So it's and those are all our different colors. Where it's like I'd be switching highlighters and writing tons of notes if I was doing this physically.
0: Yeah, I remember back in season one, I did have a hard copy of The Secret. Mm-hmm. And I think in that episode, I, I even talked yeah. about the embarrassment of being seen in public at one of my favorite bars reading that book. Mm-hmm. I just was mortified to be seen with the book. Yeah, I didn't it's want, embarrassing. Yeah, I didn't want anyone to see me reading that book. Other books, I would not be ashamed of at all. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, when I see other people reading self-help books in public, I almost always go up to them and ask them about the book. And, oh, nice. And um, have great conversations. I've met a lot of my neighbors that way. Even people like on planes when I've been on vacation and so on, I'll ask people if they have a self-help book that looks interesting. I'll just go up to them and talk to them. So um, that's pretty fun. I usually end up in really good conversations with people.
1: Nice. Next question is from Noni. I hope I'm saying your name right, Noni. Uh, Noni says, have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to give an unsolicited book recommendation to somebody? Um, Yes. Yes. All the time. And weirdly, (laughs) what's weird is I'll be at a bar or like at someone's birthday and it'll be someone I don't know. And what they're complaining about or saying they're having trouble with will always remind me of a book I hated but I think they could benefit from Mm. so I always even feel weirder where it's like I feel like I cannot recommend like oh my god you need to read Presence I tore it apart on my podcast I do but I actually think you have a problem with your posture that might be getting you less respect at work so you should read this (laughs) like it would be the most insulting (laughs) suggestion and I'd have to preface it with a like and don't ever listen to my feedback on this because like you think <laughs> I don't respect you if you lived by this. But yeah, it happens to me all the time because now I think I'm just like an expert advice giver because I've had to consume so much fucking advice. <laughs> um,
0: I try not to give unsolicited advice, but there are two books that come up over and over and over again that I do actually recommend. And these are books that uh, predate us living by books right. for the show. One, Jolanta, you can guess this, Dream More. By
1: Dolly Parton. By Dolly Parton.
0: Anyone who loves Dolly Parton, I think I recommended it to... Gretchen Rubin, who hosts Happier, because Why we done this book. She's, she's been going through a us. Dolly phase over the last few months. Um, I recommend it to anyone who loves Dolly because it will make you happy. And nice.
1: all of the book sales go to support her literacy right. efforts. So she has donated like what over a million books or yes. something she's crazy amazing. now. She's, she's amazing. So literate.
0: So I recommend that, and it just makes you feel good. And then the other one I recommend all the time is it's called a Breakup. Because Because it's it's broken. broken. I've never read this,
1: but I know I've heard so much about this book from Kristen. I
0: love this book. I love it. It's helped me through a couple of really big breakups. I bought it for people to help them. I recommend it all the time. It's kind of just tough love. Reminds Mm -hmm. you to love yourself. And um, just very logically speaking, if this was meant to be, you guys would still be together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have more of your amazing questions. Some are even about... Our favorite word, the P word, privilege. Yay!
0: Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, What do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. All right, we're back, and let's dive into some meteor listener questions. Mm-hmm. Mal asks, I know you are both mad, rad feminists, so I want to know how you feel about many male authors writing about self-improvement, e.g. Charles Duhigg, Malcolm Gladwell, etc., being labeled, quote, science journalists or whatever, when many women authors of similar caliber are given less kudos for their work because their books are labeled as, quote, self-help. Mic
1: drop. Love you. Love you, too. Yes. Uh, How do I feel about it? I feel like it's bullshit (laughs) because those guys aren't scientists. Like, I've worked for a person who is in this category, and they are journalists who collect other people's research for the most part. Like, Duhigg works for The New York Times, right? Like he does a good job compiling stuff and seeing what he's learned from that compilation. But there is no difference. And I truly think it's a market issue. And if a woman wrote a book that has some sort of expertise, I think the publishing world and the public in general are still so uncomfortable with female experts that they say it self help to make sure it sells more because that has a huge market. Where if a man writes it and gives the same general advice and it's the same general format, it, we have an easier time consuming that as a expert advice and perhaps like pseudoscience.
0: Yeah, I don't even think they use the word advice. They'd say Mm-mm. business strategy. Yeah,
1: where it's like <laughs> that just means like a dude wrote it. Sorry, it's because the market is fucked up and. Our ears are fucked up, and like we ha- have trouble thinking women are experts. Because, like, what if they talk like a valley girl? Like, so fucking what? It's because they were socialized that way by your goddamn society. Ooh. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so that's how we feel. That's how man. I feel. I feel like there's
1: no difference, and it's a bullshit system that labels these men as like scientists who are not. They're just researchers like every other fucking person who writes a book like this. Yeah. And it reinforces that stigma. Mm -hmm. Just reinforces it. Reinforces it. And people will be like, but you want to make money with the book. And it's like, at what cost? Let's move on, please. I'm getting very heated.
0: All right. Let's move on to this question from Jocelyn.
1: Jocelyn says, this question is specifically for Kristen. I know that you've spoken about your Asian ethnicity being adopted by white parents and growing up in Minnesota. I was wondering if you, Kristen, felt connected to your Asian roots despite growing up around white people. Being a mixed Asian American myself, I grew up going to school with non-Asians, not learning my grandparents' native languages, and feeling a bit like I didn't belong to any particular group. I'm curious as to what it was like for you.
0: Mm. Well, Jocelyn, I didn't really know very much about being Korean growing up. My Parents put me into a Korean day camp once when I was a little kid, and then a Korean sleepover camp at one point when I was in middle school, I think it was. Um, I have an older sister who is also adopted from Korea. And I think that's the extent of our exposure we had mm-hmm. to Koreanness growing up, actually. And so um, I'm very connected to being Asian. Because it's just a reality of my everyday life. Yeah. Um, how I'm treated in the world is how people see me. And I am Asian. Visually, I am Asian, even yes. if my name isn't Asian or um, people don't associate certain things um, about me being very Asian. Like, I'm not culturally Asian specifically, mm-hmm. but I still very much identify with asian Americanness. if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And by that, I mean my Asian Americanness that I'm connected to are a lot of the things that are kind of hybrid American Asian things, like going to K Town on a Thursday night and eating some food and maybe having karaoke or being wildly supportive of movies like Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. because I want to see people who look like me on the screen. Um even though that In movie American
1: cinema. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, you know, even though that movie eighty percent of the cast weren't even American Asians, they were Asian Asians. Mm-hmm. But You know, I'm very much in support of things that are Asian-American and feel connected to those Asian-American things. But since being adopted as a baby, I've never been to Korea. I don't know if I feel any need to go to Korea. I know some people out there who are adopted from Korea. It's very important to them. and It's a pilgrimage. And whatever... You want to do for yourself and your journey. I one hundred percent applaud just doing what you want to do. but it's not something that I feel drawn to, actually. That's so interesting. But I yeah, that. but I, I do feel my Asian Americanness through and through with who I am. All right, let's get to the next question. This is from Anonymous, and I don't think it's a question so much as more of a statement.
1: There are some question marks I see written down, so I would call it a question. All right. Anonymous says, I have to confess that I was really surprised and amused when I saw that Kristen was the Asian host and Jalenta was the white one. The whole time, I thought it was the other way around. And then I did some soul searching. Why was this so surprising to me? Why should it be amusing? Kristen and Jalenta's identities aren't a joke. Here's what I realized. I thought Kristen was a white name and that... Minnesotan accents were a white thing. Jolenta sounded like a more exotic name, so I presumed it was possibly an Asian name. I guess what I'm saying is that your show has helped me confront a lot of biases, even when the books you live by aren't inherently about social issues. And I want to thank you for helping me to be a little more woke, as the kids say.
0: Oh, anonymous! Thank you so much for writing that. I mean, the fact it's
1: surprising to a lot of people. We get this a lot.
0: Yeah, we get this a lot. I I don't know
1: why it's so amusing. A lot of people. I don't know why it's amusing. That is a good question. I think everyone's like, "Oh my god, ha ha ha!" I had you mixed up. I'm like, no one else thinks this is weird. Like mixing up race based on like some pretty like small assumptions is like to me. Sort of a, like, whoa moment. But, like, maybe I'm sensitive. I don't know.
0: But that's one reason why we love this letter from Anonymous yes, exactly. so much. Because Anonymous is saying, like, oh, my gosh, you made me realize right, I have some biases. Exactly.
1: Which is what I, yeah, I love this letter, too. It's supposed to like, OMG, funny story. And we were like, we think we this is a, a bizarre story. We get that probably once a week. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. really it funny. It comes in a lot. But- and, I mean, that it comes with the territory for me, at least as a white girl with a weird name. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people often assume Mm -hmm. like where are you from or like what like uh." yeah yeah and then I think for you people are like it's so funny that Kristen has a Minnesotan accent where you're like it's just the way I grew up like it's not funny to me because it is me
0: (laughs) yeah um I swear in Minnesota no one even notices how I talk although some people now think I talk like a New Yorker my
1: god they are very wrong (laughs) (laughs) let's
0: move on to this next question from Steffi How and why did you both decide to become New Yorkers, and how has the city affected your need for self-help books? Part of the joy of listening is getting a firsthand insight into your big city lifestyles. Oh, Oh, I love this question. I feel like
1: I never leave the house, (laughs) and I barely leave my borough at this point now that I work in Brooklyn. I moved to New York because I went to acting school after I went to college. I went to a conservatory uh, at the Atlantic Theater Company. Um, I was going to be a classic Shakespearean actor who did like regional Shakespeare. That was my goal when I finished college in 2008. Wow. So that's why I came here. And then I never left. Wow,
0: we are on your 10-year anniversary. Here. Yeah,
1: isn't it weird? I was trying to think of like what I've learned. And I'm like, I don't know, Like, don't go into empty subway cars. They're empty for a reason. Yeah, that's a good lesson. Like That's that all I know. It is a good lesson.
0: I moved to New York straight out of college, and it was because I always wanted to live in New York. But I kind of wanted to live in a time travel movie version of New York. We all do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, on the one hand, I kind of wanted to live in that beat era, the 1950s. I wanted yes. to, like, wear black turtlenecks and read Camus and Chainsmoke and have one of those wine bottles, like the Chianti one with the drip with the, candle yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanted to do that.
1: I just, like, wanted to go to the fame high school. Mm. That's what I was going for. Well... I was going for some nice 70s disco musical New York. Well, I was going to say
0: a lot of folks want to live that fantasy. That is a fantasy a lot of people want to live. But yeah, I wanted to, I think I just wanted to live in a New York movie even more Mm -hmm. than I wanted to live in New York. But I definitely went through all of the love stages with the city, like the euphoria, the,
1: the excitement,
0: misery. the misery. I, I, and I. And now I might just be in a long-term marriage feeling right. with the yeah. city. Yeah. I would
1: say, do you, I know how the city has affected my need for self-help books. I assume you're like, it hasn't. I don't need them. I do this because you wrote me into it.
0: Oh, the city's made me so much healthier than I was in Minnesota. Right. It's made me so much healthier. What
1: I like about New York, and I feel like it's sort of like a double-edged reason, is because, like, no one gives a shit about you, so... You have the freedom to be like, what am I about? What do I like? You don't have to worry about, like, what will so-and-so think? Like, no one in this town has done this. But also, no one gives a shit about you, so you have to learn to give a shit about yourself. Mm. You have to learn to take care of yourself. You can not get pushed around, asked to do a ton of work for free. Like, you know, I've been an unpaid intern in New York. Like, it fucking sucks. And, like, you have to learn to give a shit about yourself because no one else does. Yeah. I so think there's you that have for freedom sure. and it also, like, you need to learn to advocate for yourself. And yeah. those things, to combine, lead to me needing self-help books, apparently. <laughs>
0: no, I think that one of the things that has made me healthier as far as living in New York, there are a lot of things about New York that make me healthier. One... Mass transit in this town is so much better than it was when I was growing up in Minneapolis. And Mm. so I think being able to have great mass transit and being able to walk a lot is just good for my health.
1: I think. Yeah. I love walking so much. It gives me time to think. It gives me time to like decompress after work. Like walking is so much fun.
0: Yes. And I mean, it's just like. New York's number one pastime. Everyone loves to take a walk. Mm-hmm. You don't even need money and you can just watch the fashion show go by. You can have a oh my great gosh, time. Just so walking is so fun.
1: Walk past a model casting call. Mm-hmm. You will learn so much about clothes.
0: Um, but then also I think that this city has been really healthy for me just to every single day. Jalanta, both you and I live in very diverse neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Right. I right. just think it's really good to constantly see faces and hear languages that are different than yeah. us. And it's just, it's a healthier way to live, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah really good I talked to me.
1: people from Around the world daily. Yeah. And I did not in Portland, Oregon. Love that. Okie doke. Next question. Oh, this one's for you, Jolenta. Read me.
0: It's from Aaron. Aaron says, Jolenta, you've talked about issues like anxiety and different insecurities, but you also do stand up comedy. Can you talk a little about how you managed to do something so bold, daring, and brave despite these obstacles? or maybe because of them. Yeah, I would
1: say it's 100% because of them. I mean, <laughs> I can't speak for every comedian, but like we're all similar to some extent where being a stand-up means your job is to control how people react to you, which for me like helps helps my anxiety. And it probably it's because I'm anxious and because I have so many insecurities, but I can get up and control like I can Insult myself before you can insult me, or you know I can call out the obvious before you can make a judgment about it, and then I can say something clever about it, and you'll be distracted from like my problem area and attracted to my wit.
0: You're essentially a PR agent for yourself. It's I think about the and PR if you're, agents yeah.
1: call it spinning the story, it's, and you want to spin, spin your own yeah. story before you to someone think else I'm does. I'm funny before you think I'm unfuckable. Oh. And that's I mean, that's how it started. And now my goal is to make you laugh while you might actually be like, oh, wait, like, why is society constructed that way? But it was a reaction to thinking I was disgusting. And I'm like, well, they can think I'm funny and disgusting. Mm. Um, So I, I mean, weirdly, I don't think of it as bold or brave. I think of it as like controlling the narrative for a living because I felt like it was so out of control before I found comedy. Well,
0: I think you do a great job controlling it. And also, Jolenta... When you do stand-up, you are so funny. Oh, thank you. You are so smart and you are so funny. That's so
1: nice to hear. Always love to hear that. (laughs) Um, Here is a question from Patty who says, What's the best career advice you ever received? And what is the best thing about your working relationship with each other?
0: Oh, I know the answer to the last one right off the bat. What is it? It is such a joy working with you and working with Cameron, who's in our control room right Mm -hmm. now. Hi, Cam. Hey. Um, It is... So fun. And I feel that you and I both work hard. We're honest with each other. But something that Jolenta, you and I've talked about, um, we even talked about this pretty recently, was we're so relieved that we became friends through work, not through like some sort of messy like middle school, high school. You slept with my boyfriend and all the drama that comes from being BFF since childhood. We Mm -hmm. met as adults working together together. And that means we already knew that each of us were hard workers. We already knew what we were
1: like in a professional setting. Right. We knew our sort of like work values, like generally lined up. And that's also how we met Cameron. Yes. So I think we all were like, we think our flow would work together.
0: Yeah. And none of that baggage. None of that. No offense to people who are still BFFs with their like third grade friends. But I've
1: also made a podcast with a BFF who used to be a roommate and stuff. And like, There was just shit that would build up where it's like, you don't do the dishes like and you don't care about editing as much as me. Like, (laughs) like that makes it harder. So, yeah, I like that our working relationship is a friendship, but one that is rooted in work. Love that. Yeah. Love it. What about the best career advice, though? I mean, I go back to these two things that my dad has said to me because I love him. And even if he fucks up his own work sometimes, Dad, he gives good (laughs) advice. Um, No, and there are two things. And I think I've said them both on this show probably. The first one is no one's ever said, ah, I should have stayed there longer Like, you only ever hear people saying, like, I should have gotten out sooner or I should have pursued X, Y, and Z sooner. Meaning quitting a job? Quitting a job, trying a new, you know, asking to join a new department. Just, like, try—if you have something bugging you to do something differently or new or try a new path— Most of the time, you hear people regretting they didn't do it sooner, not regretting, like, I wish I would have stayed at that dead-end job just one more year because I would have blah, blah. So that's always been a good one. And also, he always told me when he drove me to school, the smartest people ask the most questions. And I feel like that is just proven more and more true as I get older, whether it's a question about, like, how does this work or why am I being treated differently? Mm. You know, and... It's made me smarter. It's made me better at my job. It's made me better at advocating for myself and for others. Like, it's just the best advice I've ever gotten. That's great advice.
0: Um, For me, the best career advice I've ever received, that's... That's a little tougher. I mean, I can think of a lot of bad career advice, like (laughs) do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. (laughs) Um, Not true. Then what you
1: love turns into a thing like you can never step away from, you have no boundaries with, and like turns into something you fucking hate.
0: No. I mean, I was going to say we love what we do. No, it's true. We really love what we do. But it also feels
1: like work and sometimes like I can't read for pleasure.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, also I was going to say a lot of people, if what you love to do is something that our society doesn't reward with money.
1: Yeah, I also love to crochet, crochet and wish that could be my job, but, like, no one's going to pay me for it.
0: Yeah. You know what I used to love to do when I was a teenager, back when I had my beatnik dreams? Write socially conscious poetry. Okay, I okay. also there love to masturbate. Okay, people would definitely pay. People they would pay for the pay masturbate. A, like, Nobody wants to read mind. my 14-year-old socially conscious poetry.
1: Nobody wants to read I mean, that. I would, like, at a stand-up show, read it to Oh, God. Audience, but... It's so <laughs> earnest.
0: It's really, really earnest. It always is. No, so bad. Um, but... You know, as far as other career advice that I think is great that I've heard um, more recently, not stuff that I heard when I should have heard it when I was younger, was you can work as many careers as you want to. Yeah. It doesn't matter. When I first got out of college, I was so upset because my first few jobs were not what I wanted to do. Yeah, not that like, I actually I'm knew. not going to
1: rise up at this company because it's also a company I don't want to work at, but I need to pay rent where it's like, you can. Uh, like, yeah, I never thought I'd be doing this. Yes. Yes.
0: All right. On that note, let's take another break. But hang tight because we have lots of funny questions coming up. Stay with us. And we're back with our Ask Us Even More of Anything bonus episode. Jolenta, let's get to some lighter questions, some funnier questions. Let's do it.
1: Suzanne has this question. You are trapped on a desert island and can bring three things with you. What are they? Um,
0: a teleportation machine off the island. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's
1: already better than what I thought of.
0: (laughs) A boat as a backup plan and then an operation manual for how to drive a boat. Okay,
1: I'm going to play fair and pretend (laughs) I'm actually trapped on the goddamn island. (laughs) I would bring my crochet work. okay. Great, my dog, mm-hmm. and a dildo. Okay, all right. Julia
0: says, "What would you rather be, a real housewife or part of the royal family?" Okay, Ju- we both. Know- Julia is
1: trying to get us to fight, but we are not going to do this. I would obviously rather be a real housewife because you can actually do whatever you want and not live like a fucking PR nightmare that is like goes so far beyond you. Like you may as well not exist.
0: And I'd rather be um, part of the royal family so that my humanitarian efforts can have a universal world stage.
1: Uh, you just can't do it if you're a housewife.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's move on
1: to this question
0: from Shelby. I love this one. What's your worst hangover story?
1: Oh, this actually made me think of you because my worst hangover story involves i brought a guy home and I will not say his full name but I have to say his last name his last name was Finger no! and I hooked up with him and then was so hung over I couldn't go with my friends who uh, we were living in San Francisco, and one of them had a car, and it was a big deal. We were all going to go to Target the next (gasps) day because Target Target was outside of the city. Uh, There might be one in the city now, but it was like a day trip, and I was too hungover to go to Target, and they spent the whole time, like, texting me horrible, like, ridicules about, like, you know, getting fingered by finger. Mr. Finger. Yeah. Mr. Finger. And and I was just so miserable.
0: Oh, that's a really sad story.
1: Um, I
0: am wired in such a way where I think I've only had two hangovers oh my, my God, whole life. And that's because my body, if I'm starting to get too drunk, will start rejecting the alcohol and I'll just start throwing it up. So that's why... Well, the
1: joy of a hangover is your body just waits to do that until you're sober and you've slept a few hours.
0: All right. So I think I've only been hungover maybe twice in my life. But the first time it ever happened, I was living with my nana at the time I was like 14 or 15. One of my friends... Her older sister, who was in grad school, was like, we're going to have a New Year's party. Do you guys want to come? And we were like high school freshmen or something. And we're like, yeah, let's totally go to this party with all these grad school students. And I remember they all just seemed really old because they were in grad school. Yeah. Um, I mean, they
1: were a 14-year-old. like Yeah. And that's, that, like, that's like a 10-year-age difference. No. Some of them were in their 30s. Yeah. Or grad, grad school. and up. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I remember... Um, discovering that night that I loved whiskey sours, mm. I'm like, Ooh, "Whiskey sours. these are delicious!" Oh yeah, give me another one. Yeah, whenever of those whiskey you discover sours. you
1: love something as a teenager and it's no, alcohol related, it was bad.
0: Yeah. I was throwing back the whiskey sours left and right, and left and right. And um, oh god, there's like this bad makeout story. The whole thing was a mess. Anyhow, so I but get, the
1: hangover part.
0: But I get home, and I think I'm cool. Nana's not going to know I'm drunk. I'm just gonna play it smooth. So I get back to Nana's condo. Like, hi honey, how was the party? Oh, this is great. It was really good. I'm just gonna go to bed. No, yeah, go to bed. And then I think, you know, I got up a few times and threw up and then went back to bed and threw up a little bit more, went back to bed. And then the next morning, my mom showed up at my Nana's house and she was not keeping her voice down. Uh Uh-oh. And I did not feel good and my mom was yelling and nana was being good cop so of course she didn't yell at me she just said oh your your mom's here honey and then my mom just
1: oh boy there's nothing like being yelled at by a parent while you're nursing like your first hangover oh
0: god it was so bad it was so bad that was my worst hangover story but now looking back i laugh at it
1: but at yeah, the time it cute, was just but like it oh, feels oh. awful oh
0: so bad so bad uh, <laughs>
1: question from Wendy yes, yes. Does the fact that Kristen doesn't wear pants hold her back from any activities, like kayaking?
0: Oh, I'm never going to live down my hatred yeah, of kayaking. Yeah, just threw a
1: little bit of shade in there. Yeah, but I is,
0: heard it, Wendy. That is an I actual
1: good question. I didn't think about that. But, like, what do you wear on a hike?
0: Yeah, so I have a hiking skirt. What? Um, yes, it's made out of this kind of lightweight no, know, material. No, I like, And then I also... I do have a do couple pairs of like Um they have those chafe things. You yeah, know? I know. But then um I also have um a running skirt. I have a couple of running shorts, but I also mm-hmm. have a running skirt. Have you seen okay. those?
1: No. Um, like for tennis, I don't know. I have a It looks t- kind of I like a tennis know.
0: skirt, but my clothes don't hold me back. They just make me the best version of myself. That but is- but no, I, and by the way, I don't really hate kayaking. I just don't want to die, so I don't kayak. Like,
1: I hate dying. She has an irrational fear of it. Let's put it that way.
0: Oh, the one time I get shown a kayaking video about how safe it is, the person dies in the video. That's the one time. Well, that
1: was someone like, yeah, okay, making a joke at you. All right, extent. let's move on <laughs>
0: away from this horrible, deadly subject. Okay, and move on to Rachel. Rachel says, Do you really believe,
1: Jolenta, that crystals have healing properties? Why or why not? Rachel. I don't know. I mean, my logical brain wants to be like, no, but I just have always really liked crystals since I was a kid. They were sort of in in the 80s when I was created and I've just always been really attracted to them. So once I learned they may or may not have healing properties, I was like, oh, I'm going to run with this idea. And they make me happy and they, like, make me feel calm when I look at them. Because they're pretty. And when I put them out, like, things feel special. And And you're wearing one right now. Yeah. And, like, this one is, like, one I've had from my grandma for forever. And it, like, just makes me happy. So maybe that's the property. I associate them with feeling calm and, like, something special and, like, giving something reverence. So I don't know if they actually heal, but I like how they make me feel. Nice answer. Thank you. I'm behind it. Uh, this question is from Mona. What is your dream vacation spot? Ooh. I can answer that very easily. Let's hear it. I want one of those, like, huts in the Maldives that you see... On Real Housewives <laughs> or in movies. They're one of the, it's, you know, it's like the, like, this is like a very secluded island, like, hut, and it's like on stilts in the water, and the water is so blue, you can see through it, and you can just like jump off your little front porch How do and you like, get it's to the super hut? tropical. Like, the, it's like all part of a resort, probably, and like, it's very basic and all inclusive, and like, such a you know such a like basic like this I ain't go on my honeymoon but like I've always wanted to go to just a fucking beautiful ass beach spoil yourself rotten but also feel like kind of secluded place.
0: I think we might need to do a future season of buy the book on an island secluded place. That Maybe. would be amazing. Maybe we can do that. Yeah. Um, my dream vacation spot. I have kept an ongoing kind of list of places I want to go to. So my one in the U.S. that I have been saying for years, I want to go there and I haven't made it yet, is Savannah, Georgia.
1: Oh, it's beautiful.
0: I know. Everyone tells yeah. me that. And they tell me if you like walkable cities, if you oh, like U.S. history. history. Yeah. yeah, if you like beautiful architecture. So that has been on my list for a very, very long time. Any Buy the Book listeners just want to throw me in their backyard in the shed, I'll sleep in your shed in They've Savannah. they got
1: good Spanish moss there that you can talk very to pretty. and touch.
0: Yeah, and then the other place that I've been wanting to go with for, oh my gosh, 13, 15 years. I've been talking about this for maybe even 20 years. Cambodia. Mm. Cambodia is an expensive plane ticket, and you yeah. know it's a long way to fly. And especially when, you know, in America we have limited vacation time, so I usually use that to go and fly and see Dean's family in New Zealand. But someday, someday I'm going to make it to Cambodia, and someday I will make it to Savannah, Georgia. It's all going to happen. All right, let's end on this burning question that Julie has that many listeners have asked over the years, Jolenta What is the origin of your name? It is so unusual and cool.
1: It is my mom's middle name. Yay! But that is a a BS answer. How she got that name was she was raised Roman Catholic, and her dad was looking through a book of saints while she was being born, like while my grandma was in labor, and, like, to pick a middle name. And there was a St. Jolenta who is from Poland. She was like a princess or a queen. She was married to someone important, then he died. And so once she was a widow, she became a patron saint of orphan girls. And mm. he liked the story and thought the name was unique. So her name is Suzanne Jolenta. And so when I was born, my parents were like, Jolenta's a cool name. And like we'll make her have to explain her name for the rest of her life. So that'll be fun, too. Love it. But yeah, so St. Jolenta is, I guess, who I'm named after. I love it. You could also
0: just go by Saint. You know there are some famous babies names Yeah, I could just
1: be like, oh my gosh, Catherine Dennis of Southern Charm. Her baby's name is St. Julian. Yeah, and I mean, don't don't the Kardashians? They have a saint. Yeah, all those reality babies. Me Mm. and those reality babies rocking the name Saint. You guys were ahead of it, though. Yeah. The Jolenta Greenberg family ahead of it. Amazing. Uh, That's it. We're out of questions. Wow. Well, we're out we of the questions it. we chose because yes. there were too many. So, so many good Apologies
0: questions. to everyone who wrote and called and did all of the other things to get in touch and we didn't get to your questions we're sorry we didn't get to those we couldn't get to all of them but be sure as I mentioned earlier to listen to back episodes yeah we may have answered your questions yeah yeah, they might be there so listen to those and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another bonus episode so keep your ears ready thanks as always to our wonderful producer Cameron Drews there is going to be an episode coming soon all about him yes all about him Thank you to the Rizzos who perform our theme song and to Nate
1: Wyda who wrote our theme song. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us at Jalenta G at Kristen Meinzer at pod, And join our Facebook community if you haven't already. Talk to all the other fabulous
0: people on there. You're fabulous. They're fabulous. There's always fabulous stuff happening on the Facebook community.
1: Until next bonus episode, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hold on, I'm gonna put my bag down. But my lips were so dry. Mine are peeling now. I have some Vaseline if you want it. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll we'll talk about Vaseline later. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not sponsored by Vaseline. Um, Vaseline uh, <laughs> comes in
0: very handy for some things. Anywho,
1: I prefer coconut oil for I think
0: what you're referring to. But oh, that's not uh, what I'm talking about. Oh. Okay, continue. I don't know. I, I don't went know straight you're talking to lube.
1: About. So no, no, no. Oh. I have.
0: Well, I'll talk about lube with you later.